Hey, it's Jason here. I've got something special to share with you today. Earlier this month, Travis and I hosted the Big Leap Livecast. It was a live online event where we interviewed eight speakers from our upcoming Camp Indie event and asked them to share their personal story and their best advice for taking the leap from conventional lifestyle to a location-independent lifestyle, a travel-based lifestyle, working on something that you love and building something for yourself. And we were blown away by the advice they shared. And as soon as we started hearing all this incredible value and advice these speakers were giving, we thought we have to share this on the Location Indie podcast. So even if you weren't there during the live cast, you're here now. We've broken this up into eight different episodes. And in this one, you're going to hear from one of our speakers about how they took a big leap in their own lives. And whatever big leap is next for you, you're going to get some advice on how to tackle that in this show. So you are in for a treat. Before we dive in, don't forget, check out Camp Indie, I-N-D-I-E.com, CampIndie.com, and get your ticket to the world's most fun conference before March 1st, because the ticket prices are going up. And this is a conference that we are hosting, Travis and I are hosting, at a summer camp. Yes, you're going to get to go to summer camp and hang out with a bunch of amazing people, get plugged into a community that can help you take your next big leap because they say, hey, leap and the net will appear. But you know, isn't it smarter if the net's already there? And that net is a community that will support you. And that's what you'll find at Camp Indy. So come hang out, eat some s'mores, do some wakeboarding, shoot some archery, come to the 80s dance party. We have a ton of stuff going on there. It's going to be a blast. Hope to see you there. Okay. Without further ado, let's get into the interview. Thanks for listening. You're the first people I think that are outdoors. So where are you guys beaming in from? Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you won't be able to see it, but everyone on the live cast can. It's pretty sweet. On, yeah, we're on the Sea of Cortez, about halfway down the Baja Peninsula. Um, yeah, probably about 500 miles south of San Diego and 500 miles north of Cabo. All right. All right. Living Looks the good awful. life. <laughs> it's horrible out here. We got sunburn, windburn. There's stray dogs. And the best part is we slept here last night. We've got our camper buddy here, and we've, you know, this is free camping in Mexico. That's the best part. We have a 4G signal, and we're on the beach. We walked up to the lighthouse for sunrise this morning. So this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Except for the fact is because it's we're giving you all this bountiful sunshine, we can't see the screen that well. So if you're typing questions. Jason and Travis, if there's like a gem that comes through, if you'd read it out loud so we don't need to watch the questions go by so you can For keep sure. enjoying the sun. If that is no your worries. biggest problem, that you can't read the screen because the sun <laughs> is too bright, uh, I think you're leading a good life. One of the questions we've been asking everyone is to explain their current reality. And you guys just, I mean, you did like this daily. This is your current reality, which is awesome. We've, we've been talking about these like visceral moments that people can actually say, wow, I, I can picture this. But let's talk a little bit about what your life looks like as a whole, because you've got a really cool, interesting story and a great like elevator pitch slash tagline. 
which is that we left on our honeymoon in uh, January 2012 and just never came home. So we, you know, set out and we uh, were saving for what would this be a great adventure to start our life together and then got hooked on the road and realized how affordable it could be and how much we were learning and how we were bonding and all of this that we're like, why, why, why do we have to come back after a year? If we can figure this out to keep doing it affordably and make a little money as we go, like who's to say we need to go back to corporate jobs. So yeah, yeah. eight years later, we're still at it. I mean, at what point during that honeymoon did you question that? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, was there a moment where you guys like, wait a second, hold on here? Question staying on the road or question going back to the question, the Questioning going back because, uh, I mean, you saved up some money. You had blocked out time for a trip. But, uh, I mean, that's... Uh, I would say, like, it was probably about 8 to 12 months into the trip. Like, okay. the first six months were just fun and, like, trying to check off bucket lists and, like, being like, wow, this is an amazing vacation that's just never ending. So this is cool. But let's just get drunk and go scuba and go to Southeast Asia. And then at some point, just before that year mark, we our blog started picking up traction. We weren't making money from our blog at all or anything. Affiliates, we didn't make any money uh, from the blog. But we were starting to get comped some rooms and scuba trips and whatnot, liveaboards. And we were like, wait, maybe we can squeeze this out a little bit longer and get some more cool experiences before we go home. And then, yeah, people started writing about Honey Trek, which is our blog, started getting a little exposure. And then the but the real thing wasn't that it became financially feasible, which it did. Like it was way cheaper than we thought it was to stay on the road. Like we'd budgeted about, you know, a hundred dollars a day for the two of us, and we were coming in way, way under that. Yeah. At the time we were like $70 a day for the two of us. Now we're more like $30 a day for the two of us full timing. But the biggest thing for us was like just the connection to people on the road, whether it was other travelers or locals. And it wasn't like trying to see more sites like, wow, we can stay out longer and see more of these bucket list items, which right. everyone thinks that's the goal when they're behind their desk and they're just watching Instagram scroll by. They're like, I need to go there. I need to go there. But once you do it long term, you realize like, the connection with the with the local folks and other nomads becomes like an addiction. And like, then you just stay out for those stories and to share those stories with others. And But to, to be fair, like we had a year and a half lease. We had jobs that said we could come back. So, and we said we'd be back for Christmas, blah, blah, blah. In January, you know, whatever, December, 2013. So like the momentum was to go home and we did go home for that Christmas. And then we we're like, let's reevaluate this. Like mm -hmm. maybe we can go back out and we, um, kind of actually turned to house sitting where we said, you know, to keep up the pace we saw 37 countries in under two years and moved about like every day and a half. I mean, it was a crazy breakneck pace. And we're like, that probably isn't sustainable, but I bet there's a way. And house sitting let us kind of gave us a place where, which is basically you're, you're bartering your service as somebody who waters the plants and walks the dog to stay in a, a villa in Croatia and get a good Wi-Fi connection to get some of that work done to get our business going. And then we were able to use that to kind of jumpstart, you know, getting work done, but still being able to travel kind of from house set to house set 
And then the next chapter being getting an RV, which has given us a really nice space. I think we just answered 27 questions mashed into one. So your <laughs> turn, your turn, please. Well, we, uh, so we're talking about the big leaps here and you, you did mention there were like a few big leaps in that journey. The first was to actually go on a year honeymoon because I love, these are the people you're going to meet at Camp Biddy. People are like, oh, year honeymoon, just way too short, right? <laughs> let's turn it into eight. Oh, let's just make it indefinite. Um, but that, let's talk about the first leap and 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 whatever that is to you or, or the biggest leap, whether it was be the honeymoon or, or that was kind of like, no, we're going to come back to our jobs. And then the decision to say, no, actually, we are going to make this a lifestyle. We are going like we're not coming back to our regular lifestyle. We're not coming back to our apartment. We're not coming back to our jobs. This is us now. What was that? What was that like for you? Because it's it obviously it worked out and we know it worked out. And you guys are leading an awesome life. But there was probably some either pressure internally or externally to lead a regular life. Well, yeah, I the thing about like, I don't think there was ever for us there a big leap once we were on the road. I mean, going on the road is a big leap, although we had a ton of support from family. Even our both of our bosses were supportive, albeit a little bit jealous, but they were like, you need to do this and I'm going to follow your blog. And when you come back, you can work here like. They were really into it. So we had a tremendous support system. And but once we were on the road. Oh, before you get yeah. to the road part, because yeah. I, it's all it can be so like, oh, it's just rainbows all the time. Like it was it nothing sounded better than like going on this around the world honeymoon with, you know, as a newlyweds and and starting this great adventure. But it was scary. I'm not going to lie, because everything looked so great on paper. and People were really supportive. But like I had my freak out moments to go. I know this is going to be great. But uh, like deep down inside, like I was scared. Like there were so many unknowns, leaving a great job, leaving great friends. We had just bought a, like a, an apartment that we made all cute. And like we were just going to walk away from everything into the unknown. And sure, it was going to be great. But I also was like, what if it's not? Like what mm. if it's maybe it's not as great as it sounds. And maybe we're more of homebodies than than we thought. Or we go broke or get sick. All the unknowns. There were legit fears. And so like don't be that's I want to say that as somebody who now is out there and was like wow this is amazing it's okay to go through that kind of emotional struggle because it's um it is it is a, a lot of risk in many ways but what we kept coming back to as comfort was the greatest risk is not going and not knowing and missing out on those experiences and those memories and i can say now having gone through the fears and gone through eight years on the road there are zero regrets so don't let those fears hold you back but the fact if you go through them it's totally normal and the reason why I was saying that there wasn't once we were on the road, that there wasn't any like aha moment or like huge decision, like around the table, like, are we going to go home? Or are we going to stay out is because one, like when you're on the road full time, you learn so many things that you cannot read in vagabonding. You can't learn on a blog. You can't sit and chat with somebody and truly understand it until you're out there and living it. And when you do and you realize one, how cheap and easy it is and friendly and safe and that you don't get sick all the time from food and we've never been robbed. Hopefully our computer is okay here. And, um, but like we've never had anything horrible, not to say it doesn't happen, but I think those fears are way overblown. So you realize a lot of these things that kept you from going on the road are not, are, are not reality when you're on the road. And the real thing that you learn is a ton of skills like how to live with less, how to be super flexible, 
how to find things affordably, how to connect with people in different ways than you do at home, like go to happy hour after the bar, go out with my wife's friends, and like these things that you just spent 20 years or whatever getting used to. And then you learn different ways to meet people and to meet locals. And that transition is slow. It's not like you just have a snap and you're like, wow, I know how to do all this. It happens slowly. And for a lot of people, it happens and they say, hey, I like going home better. I like my routine. I like, you know, my company paying for medical and not having to hustle. So I'll go back to that. But a lot of people say, hey, this is easy. And then it just keeps getting easier. And then it just becomes your life. Like people ask, oh, well, when are you guys going to stop? And I say, well, when are you going to stop doing what you do? Like, when are you going to stop not being a nomad? Because it's so normal to say, you know, for them to think, well, I'm normal and being nomadic is like just a phase. And I'm like, well, it could be a phase in your life that you, that you like a house and a car and, you know, a dog. Like, well, I have, you know, two of those things. But um, like my house is right here. I don't know if you guys could see it in our set, but that's our that's our house there. Um, but you learn these skills and they think what Ann was talking about before, how we've done different chapters like RV life, backpacker you know, flash packer, house sitter, trying all of these things, woofer, we've done jobs abroad. Like when you try all these different ways to be a nomad and don't get like shoehorned into any one thing that you then get fed up with. And you're like, okay, I can no longer do drop shipping from Asia. So I just need to go home. And because I'm stressed or my friend circle fell apart here. If you've tried a lot of these other ways, like if you know how to get into the house sitting community, you can be like, okay, screw Asia. I'm going to go and live in Europe for six months and watch this villa in Greece that, you know, that needs their olive plants looked after. And then you can pivot to that and do that for six months and then go back to Asia or then go work, you know. You are the master of your own destiny. Exactly. There are so many definitions of digital nomad and it doesn't need to be a blogger. Or it doesn't need to mm. be a, you know, a digital marketer. It could be many, many things and you can try them all. You can and you find should one because and then you you'll, be, you'll be able to pivot. We also do, you know, blogging is one of the hats that we wear. We are, you know, primarily storytellers and content creators, but you have to wear a lot of hats and that's what keeps it interesting, keeps it challenging, but it also, um, you know, it's, it's basically like you're kind of perfecting this recipe all the time. It's, uh, <laughs> that was an awesome answer, by the way. I'm just like, I'm so it all in. Cause it's like, it's like you're living, you get to live like different lives almost in a way, you know, you're experiencing all these things. Um, I'm just wondering if you could give just a little bit of advice to somebody that's watching this and they're thinking, well, I want to build some kind of business around something I love and, and free myself up to travel or whatever uh, the case is. And that might be not, not be like blogging or something like that. Maybe it's uh, they're uh, an accountant or something and they're thinking, well, maybe I'll build my business around that, but I can still do this lifestyle stuff. What is the advice that you would give to somebody right now? And I know that's hard because there's so much you got to learn. And like you said, you just you just went off on how much you've learned just through living the experience. But for somebody in that situation, what would you say? Yeah. So money, money's a real thing, right? Like I know, I mean, we live super frugally. Like I said, we're under $30 a day and that's driving a lot. Like we probably average a hundred miles a day throughout the year. So yeah. that's a lot. Most of our money goes to gas, but um, you can live really affordably, but money is still necessary even in Southeast Asia on a shoestring. Um, so going into a trip with a good amount of savings, even if you're not ready to go this year or in 2021, start saving aggressively towards your trip and, and have that nest egg so that you can go and have fun and not need to worry two months into your trip about needing to find a, you know, 
hustle or work your side hustle or work a temp job or whatever, like go out and have fun and be a nomad. Maybe that number is 20 grand for you. Maybe it's 30. Uh, it was 30 for us for two people for 12 months. So just to give you a ballpark. And that was going like full and, blown, and that was, yeah, the 37 countries. Every river rafting trip, bungee jump, like we went. <laughs> every for. flight and everything. So right. you could definitely. And now you're at the, the 30 bucks a day is clearly a lot less than that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was like, I think, 74 a day for two people with flights, hotels all in. And now. Average between, you know, Norway and Cambodia. Not every day is 74, but an average. Exactly. Um, and, oh, but I was saying, uh, so having a, a good savings, I mean, we know people who've left with a thousand dollars in the bank and had an amazing time, maybe even more fun because they're pushed a little harder and they're doing a lot more couch surfing. One guy was hitchhiking. He hitchhiked all the way from Alaska to Tierra del Fuego on a thousand dollars. And that was his food money and his ride. So people do some cool creative stuff, but that might be a little aggressive for most people. But for people who are thinking about being a digital nomad, and are an accountant now, or a designer, or a marketer, or a storyteller, or whatever you are, and you're working a nine to nine right now, or a nine to five if you're outside, you know, of a big city, um, and you have a side hustle, or even if you don't have a side hustle, start your side hustle now while you've got that job. Do it at night, do it on the weekends, and do that side hustle until I think you can make a thousand dollars a month on your side hustle. $1,000 a month might not support you fully, especially not in Europe, but it will support you in Asia as a traveler. And I put that number of 1000 because if you're doing a side hustle and you do it for six months while you're an accountant by day and you're trying to hustle at night and you can only make 300 bucks while you're on US Wi-Fi with a US cell number, all your connections you know, pulling you, that might not be the best side hustle for you. But you don't have to feel like you need to make five grand a month from your side hustle before you go because you'll have time to advance it and things are going to change when you go abroad and you'll realize even if your burn rate in the US is five or eight grand a month with your rent and your car and all the stuff and your Starbucks fund, um, you know, your burn rate's going to go down dramatically. And if you start at a thousand and you've got your savings, then you know you have a legitimate side hustle that you can crank up or down as needed. So whatever that hustle is and do something you love. Don't try and like, become a programmer if you're, you know, a, a charcoal drawer, but, you know, or a designer, like do, do what you love and, and what's going to bring in some money. Um, so that's two tips. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And, and I think that that is really important for people. we say it all the time. If, if you're in a decent job right now and you don't hate it for sure, Try to get the side hustle going. Don't financially stress yourself out by leaving your job and starting to travel at the same time. Nora talked about that earlier of just like trying to do two things at once, right? Run a business, start a business and learn how to full-time travel at once. I mean, those are two full-time things to do and it's not going to work well if you try to do both at once. What we want to do, because you guys are storytellers and you have some awesome books, is we want to give out, buy a copy of your book for someone who's here on the livecast live. And so the question, and now you guys can't see the screen, so we're going to have to decide. We made Nora, we made Nora choose it before. Um, one of the things you guys are, are awesome at is just finding amazing, fun locations. I mean, look at where you're coming in from. You're outside right now after camping on the beach. So what I want everyone to throw in the chat box is where they are right now watching this live cast and whoever is in the most unique spot we are going to grab them a copy of um of your glamping book which just came out recently and is uh published by national geographic and is 
uh, an incredible, I mean, I have it. It's, it's actually sitting here on my desk. Um, so we want to do that for people. So in the, uh, in the chat box, be as descriptive as possible of where you are. So you could say the city, but that's probably not going to win you an award. Like tell us where you are right now. And whoever has the most interesting, unique spot that they're watching this live cast from, we're going to grab a, uh, a copy of your guy's book, uh, Mike, and then we'll, we'll get it and we'll send it to them. How's that sound? That's a great idea. That's that awesome. is awesome. I, I mean, I don't know if everyone's going to be you guys. Is anyone on the beach outside on the beach? If someone is, you're probably winning. Um, Jay, what do you think? Let's uh, let's uh, send well, these guys out. Uh, you know, to give any- everybody an example, if I flipped the camera here, I could say, "Well, I'm a, I'm at my co working space here in Oslo, Norway." But if I flip my camera, I could tell you more descriptively that I illegally have two chairs sitting on top of the table from which I am doing this live cast because I like to stand when I'm doing these things. And uh, if I can if I can indulge you for a moment, I don't know. I got a lot of cords here. Um, you can, in fact, see these the the mess I'm working with here. So, yeah, I mean, People maybe think not. It just looks like this, but it really looks like like an umbrella trying yeah. to cover the sunshade. <laughs> this is our umbrella, like strapped to the bottom of our chair. <laughs> all right, yeah, improvise. So, but that it, one's pretty. We all we know the game. We know yeah. the game. Right. So, all right. I'm gonna read a few. I am gonna have you do guys decide because I'm gonna read them out to you guys. Here are a few of my favorites, so you guys get to decide. Anna says, in the shower, wish I was joking. Well, I just hopped out to write this. Uh, so there's Anna. Emily's at a rock climbing gym training for my field job later this month. Um, Kansu's sitting on the grass with two dogs fighting over my head and a cat on my feet in Buenos Aires. Um, uh, who else do we have? Okay. Um, I was totally turning it, tuning in from the bathtub earlier, says Vanessa. She's not eligible to win because she's a, what is it? Like if you're a camp indie, uh, employee, not eligible to win a book, right? Or whatever they say. Um, so what do we got? What do you guys think? Oh, tough call between Buenos Aires and a cat dog. And a shower. Uh, and the shower is impressive too. That is impressive. Um, All right. We'll do both. We'll do both. How about oh, no. that? Well, you, we'll did do you do two books? Did you do just the glamping book, or did you do Ultimate Journeys for two? We will. We were. We were going to do glamping. We can do either. We'll ask you them. Do, well, yeah, if you're doing two gifts, then you can do, do one yeah. of each. That's right. We will. Um, all right. So Casey, we got Kansu, and who's in Buenos Aires, and uh, who said they were in the shower? Great job, guys. Uh, Anna said she was in the shower. Reach out to them. They, Mike and Anna have two books. One is a glamping book and one is Ultimate Journeys for Two. Uh, so you guys actually pick which one you want and we'll send that over to you guys. Um, awesome. Guys, Mike, Ann, uh, could not be more excited to have you guys at Camp Indy. Going to be an absolute blast. Like I mentioned, you are the two of the first two people we told once we signed that over and was like, all right, we put the deposit down. We want you guys here. So could not be more excited um, for you guys to come. I know you're going to be making quite a journey to come to Camp Indy because currently you're way out west in Mexico. So I uh, just want to say thank you guys so much for coming on today and then also for being such a big part of the inspiration for us behind doing camp as well. I love you guys. We're super excited. It can't be, it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's going to be great surrounding ourselves with all the fellow nomads. And I'm super pumped for all the talk. Even though we're giving a talk there, I'm super pumped to listen to everybody else's uh, ideas and inspirations. And See you on the eighth dance floor. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and was a camp counselor actually for like 10 years off of Catalina Island in LA. So she's like super pumped to get back to camp. 
Nice. <laughs> awesome. We can't wait. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us you. on, guys. See Enjoy you soon. Couple of months. See you soon. <laughs>